Hello, homemakers. Welcome to the Art of Home podcast, where we are exploring how homemakers cultivate a place to belong. I am your host, Allison Weeks. I am a wife, a mom to four grown kids, granny to one baby boy, and I have been practicing the art of home for over 30 years. Whether you are a regular listener to the podcast or you're new here, I just want to say thank you for tuning in today and for trusting me with some of your time. I know it is valuable and scarce. The work you're doing is so important and it demands a lot of you and a lot of your attention. So thank you for giving me an hour or so of your time today. I hope that this conversation will enrich and encourage you and challenge you to practice your art of making a home with joy and with confidence and with creativity. So I am back from an extended and much needed summer break for season 14 of The Art of Home. I hope that you were able to listen to our summer reading series of the J.R. Miller's classic homemaking. Um, I did that last year and I decided to rerun it because it is such great content. It is such a wonderful book and there's so much wisdom there. So if you did listen, thank you for listening. I hope it was valuable. I hope you were able to get um, some time to do the study guide. And uh, if not, that content is there all the time. It's We call it evergreen content in the podcasting business. It's never going to go out of style and it will always be up on the podcast. So you can go back and access it at any time. If you need a copy of the study guide, you can also find that on our website. Just click the link and I will drop it into your inbox. But back to today, we are here for season 14 of The Art of Home. I am so excited to bring you all new content, all new episodes for the next six weeks. We will be hearing from homemakers in all stages of life, as we always do. And for the very first time ever, we will be hearing from a single homemaker. You don't want to miss that one. And then this season, we'll be doing two deep dives. The first deep dive coming up next week will be on the second pillar of homemaking, values and priorities. You will be hearing from me and a couple of other homemakers that you've heard from before on this podcast. And we will also be doing a deep dive into canning and preserving food at the end of this season with my friend Mandy Thompson, who has been a guest on here before as well. And I'm really excited about that one. And I hope you get some good um, inspiration for all that stuff that's maybe coming out of your garden or just that you're picking up at the local farmer's market or even at the grocery store. Today, I'm chatting with Terry Estep, wife to Scott, mom to three grown children, and host mom to several exchange students during her kids' high school years. She shares what worked and what didn't work for them as a host family and how they are continuing to benefit from the energy and joy of young people by hosting a singles community group in their home. Terry jokes that her husband is the world's most interesting man, and I will tell you that neither one of them is boring. They run a veterinary pathology practice and a pet crematorium. They have a disc golf course on their property because Scott has to practice so he can defend his World Disc Golf Championship title. Yeah, they lead an interesting life. So whatever you are applying your hands to as you listen today, I know you will enjoy Terry's story of home. All right, I'm here with my friend, Terry Estep, and we're going to hear her story of home. But before we go back to your beginnings, Terry, I just want you to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are today. Hello, my name is Terry Estep, and I'm a mother of three grown children. 
and I I do money management for my husband's companies. Um, he's a veterinary pathologist, so he has a pathology company, and we're opening a new business um, starting June first. Is our oh okay. yeah like very soon. Uh, we actually have a soft opening right now, okay. but we're opening for real June 1st, and uh, that's a pet crematorium over oh. in Seguin. Wow. So we're going to, they offer end-of-life care for pets, so it's euthanasia, autopsy, burial, or cremation. So um, there's a couple other crematoriums in San Antonio, but they only offer cremation mm. and nothing else. So we're trying to make ourselves different and offer more services. Yeah. So anyway, we do that, and then we have what we like to call as our village, which are little rental properties, and I manage the money for that. Okay. Personal finances. Anyway, I'm the money person. You're the money person. Yes. Have you so. always been into money management stuff? Um, yeah, I think I have. Um, of course, you know, we got married young. I was 19. He was 22. He was in vet school. We were broke. <laughs> we were so poor. <laughs> and there wasn't much to manage. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you start making good choices with a little bit, mm-hmm. and then God gives you more. Yeah. And so over time, you know, yeah. But, you know, it wasn't always, we haven't always just had a lot of money. Yeah, so, yeah. So and, and that's okay. Born out of necessity, sort yeah. of, to need yeah. to be able to manage But, you know, it. you learn a lot of lessons um, when you're financially challenged, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. You just, you learn to be frugal. Mm-hmm. You learn what you need versus what you want. Right. So, and of course, when you have kids, then, you know, their needs come first. So, but a lot of things that they say they need are mm-hmm. more wants than needs. So oh, absolutely. You have to parcel that out. <laughs> you yeah. have to figure that out. Yeah. So, but yeah. Anyway, um, so that's what I do. Okay. I, um, I've been praying. Okay. Passages, te- Texas Veterinary Passages is the name of the crematorium. Okay. Texas and, Veterinary Passages. Yes. His pathology company is Texas Veterinary Pathology. Okay. And so what we wanted to do was keep the same initials. So p- there's recognition. Oh, okay. Got because it. vet clinics are our clients. Yeah. Yeah. So um, anyway, so, so they understand the crematorium is part of an extension of the pathology company. Okay. Pathology. Mm-hmm. Can you give me a definition? Pathology is a study of disease. Mm-hmm. So it's just like in human medicine, uh, you have a lump and they cut it off and send it off to a pathologist. Okay. So, but in animals, your dog has a lump. Right. And so they cut it off, they send it off to pathology. And that's and you then, guys. Yes. And that's us. And so they can then, so Scott writes a report Mm-hmm. And it will go back to the veterinarian. So the veterinarian knows if it's life-threatening or not, if it's cancer, okay. if it's benign, malignant, Interesting. you know, what they should do for their next steps. Does he mostly so. deal with small animals or does he do larger horses and he cows? He does everything and- from whales to cats. <laughs> really? Okay. Yes. What's the weird, like most unusual animal that he's ever done a pathology on? Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, he's done giraffes, bears. So this would be um, lions, like tigers, zoos. Yes, zoos. Yes, use his services. So we do. Yeah, we have the San Antonio Zoo, the Dallas Zoo, the Austin Zoo. Okay, uh, the Cincinnati Zoo. Oh my goodness, this and is like a whole world, Terry, <laughs> that I did not even know existed. Yeah, yeah. it's it's very interesting, yeah. and people are always enthralled. So yeah, um, yeah, he does kangaroos, wallaby, just anything. So any animal. So. Cool. That is so interesting. Okay, yeah. so you're handling the money. Mm-hmm. Did you primarily um, 
Well, we'll get to that. I'm going to ask yeah. you about like how that affected when you know your homemaking over the years. Oh, okay. and you got three kids. You said yes, three, three grown kids. Yes, two girls and a boy. Okay, Amaris is 29, mm-hmm. Alyssa's 26, and Terrell is 24. Okay, and our two girls live together in College Station. Oh, um, Amaris works for Unbound. It's a nonprofit that helps rehabilitate people that have been rescued from human trafficking. Oh my goodness! And wow. so she's been doing that for. Two and a half years. That's amazing. She's excellent at her job and perfect for it. Mm-hmm. Um, Alyssa, our middle daughter, is um, a midwife. So she just graduated last August, and now she's delivering babies. Mm-hmm. And um, and then Terrell works at in Seguin at mm-hmm. Passages. Oh, okay. He works yeah. with the company. Yeah. Okay. So cool. He works over there. Okay. So, and he lives over there in a house with a couple other guys, his friends. Very cool. So, yeah. Oh, that's so exciting to be at that stage with your kids to yeah, watch them it's blossom nice. and yeah, and, and like for Terrell, all we pay for is a cell phone. Mm. You know, like they're like uh, supporting themselves. That feels and so it's good. Such yes, <laughs> it's so nice. <laughs> you'll you'll get there, mamas. You'll get right, there. You'll Just get there. Keep going. The day is coming. <laughs> okay. Well, let's go back to the beginning. Oh, okay. And why don't you tell me when did you first become a homemaker? So I got married at 19 to Scott. He was in vet school. And so, I mean, is is a homemaker just, what's your definition of a homemaker? A person who just runs their own household? Yeah, a person yeah. Who, who manages their household, their home, and that could look like a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. It, you know, even if it's you're living in your parents' basement with your husband while you're building your house. Oh, I see. You yeah. know, you're still making a home for yourself mm-hmm. in that little space. Yeah. <clears throat> so he lived in a trailer. Mm-hmm. And while he was in vet school, and so I, yeah, I lived there with him until he graduated in 1992 from Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. And then he worked a year in private practice in um, western Kansas. Then he joined the military. So in 1993, he joined the military. I was pregnant with Amaris at the time when he joined. And um, we just thought at the time, well, and it's what the colonel said when he called us, you know, just get in. You know, you, he did, Scott just signed up for three years. And the colonel was like, just sign up for three years, and if you don't like it, get out. Yeah. And, you know, just give it a try. And so we got in, and we loved it. Mm-hmm. And so I, we love traveling. Um, so he was in the military, the Army, for 20 years. Okay. And we moved around, um, I think, seven times. Mm-hmm. So we moved around every three to four years. Yeah. Uh, the Army would move us. But I loved redecorating a new house, you know, mm-hmm. a, a new-to-me house. Yes. And so... Um, yeah, we just, we loved the military. I loved it okay. more than I ever thought I would. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Were you mostly, you were stateside? Did you ever go out of the country? Yeah, we lived in Germany okay. for three years. Alyssa, our middle daughter was born in Germany. Oh, okay, cool. So, and then I was six months pregnant with Terrell when we moved back to the States. Mm-hmm. That's when Scott started his pathology residency. Okay. And so we had a four-year-old, a two-year-old and a newborn. Wow. And a husband. I had... Let me rephrase, a four-year-old, a two-year-old, a newborn, <laughs> and a husband in a pathology residency. So oh, that's a lot. That was rough. That is a lot. Okay. Uh, yeah, um, I don't want to go back. No, you're, <laughs> once is enough for that. Right, for so sure. when you uh, got married, 19, moved into his trailer with him, mm-hmm. and you're homemaking in your own little home there... Um, by the way, we also lived in a trailer, one of our first homes, uh-huh. but uh, did you have any skills? Um, like, did you know what you were doing? Well, so, yeah, I did. Okay. My mom taught me a lot. Uh-huh. She was a master homemaker, mm-hmm. truly. Um, I love to decorate. 
And probably I got that love of decorating from her, even though we don't have the same decorating styles. Mm -hmm. I'm more kind of more country or more, yeah. I don't know. She's very formal. Okay. And so, um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, I grew up cleaning and cooking and um, taking care of my little brothers. And okay. so. So you had some skills. Because yeah. some people enter and they know, they know less than nothing. <laughs> yeah. And so, but I do think, you know, if I could talk to young kids who aren't married, you can't assume that every guy out there knows how to work a screwdriver mm. or, you know, fix anything or yeah. build anything. That's and, a good point. And then boys assume, well, girls... It's an, some innate skill in us to cook and clean and shop, and yeah. and it's really not. Yeah, and so I just think there's these ideas mm-hmm. that people, you know, preconceived ideas. Absolutely, and so, absolutely. Um, yeah. No, that's a really good point, and we talk a lot about um, expectations. We'll get to that in a minute, but mm. um, I w- I'm interested to know, even though you had a pretty good arsenal of skills under your belt, was yeah. there anything in particular that you just really struggled with as a new wife? Well. I just don't enjoy cooking. Okay. <laughs> and so, and I know how to cook. Yeah. See, people here, if I say I don't like to cook, people equate that to she doesn't know how. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yes, I know how to cook. I put dinner on the table mm-hmm. for 25 years, you know, for yeah. my kids and everything, but I never enjoyed it. Yeah. And so my husband enjoys cooking. And so it comes across and he's just better with flavors and spices and he can look at the pantry and just make something up mm. and if I I need a recipe. And so it's just a very different um you know like if I have a recipe that I want to make then I'll go to the store and buy the ingredients and then I can make it. Yeah. And so but he's just good at just throwing something together and our oldest daughter is the same way. Mm-hmm. She can just look around and make something and and our middle daughter is like me. And I think that's just maybe the way your brain yeah, works. Sure. So um yeah. But um, I do enjoy like baking, okay. so cakes and cookies and stuff like that. Although I don't do it much anymore because it's just me and Scott now, and mm-hmm. it won't get eaten. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just and so, so yeah. it's something that you just really didn't enjoy doing. Um, how did you kind of come to terms with that as just part of your job? It's just part of my job. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And now I will say, my husband did help cook. Yeah, because he enjoyed it, and mm-hmm. so especially in weekends, mm-hmm. uh, he would help cook. But but, you know, then my kids go to their friend's house and the mom overhears my daughter telling her friend, yeah, my dad made lasagna last night. It was so good. <laughs> and then the friend's like, so you're, so Scott does all the cooking? And I'm like, he made one meal. <laughs> does not do all the cooking. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Oh, and gosh. so anyway, but yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about some balance in the home when it comes to resource management, managing time and all that Mm. kind of stuff, because you guys were busy, you know, you're in the military, Mm -hmm. so you're moving, so you're having Mm -hmm. to, you know, get accustomed to new communities all the time and setting up a new household. That in itself is a lot Mm -hmm. of work. Um, So what was that like for you? I, I have one question before we go there. When you were working for his business... As the money management person, has that been more recent? Yes. Okay, so, so that's, that's been not... in the last twelve years. Okay, so you yeah. did still have some kids at home while that was happening. Yes. Okay. Probably just our 
old, our youngest son mm-hmm. was in high school. I also, I worked for a lawyer. Okay. That was my other question. Did you have any other employment yeah. outside the home? Yeah. So I worked for a, an attorney. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a civil litigator for eight years okay. and he passed away. He was 85 with cancer. He passed away last fit a year ago, February. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, but it was a part-time job. He, you know, you get tricked. You got to watch these people. They hire you for part-time, but then the longer you work for them, the more they want you to work. And so it could have easily gone to full-time so if I you, had let it. But. So were you working while your, while your children were young? Did no. you have a job outside the home? Mm-mm. Okay. No. Primarily you know, homemaking. Yeah. I. It's not that I didn't want to, but Scott didn't want me to. Mm-hmm. And so it was less stress on him sure. f- to know... The house is taken care of. The kids are taken care of. Right. You know, and so, and he was extremely helpful. Yeah. Um, and everything, but yeah, we just kind of decided, no, we didn't want, Mm -hmm. we didn't want that. Yeah. So. Okay. So how were you able to get all the things done that you needed to get done with managing the household? Well, I wouldn't say they always got done well. (laughs) What kind of systems did you put into place to sort of help you help yourself? Well, you know, during the summers when the kids weren't in school, they had to help. Okay. And so they had to either, there was kitchen cleanup, Mm -hmm. like after dinner, there was laundry. Um, and then there was outside work. And so the, our son usually did the outside work. Mm-hmm. And so every other summer, the girls would trade off kitchen and laundry. Mm-hmm. And so um, I told them, you know, they didn't enjoy it, but I told them, someday you'll thank me. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And so, yeah. Um, but everybody pitched in. And, you know, I think it's important to teach kids, you're part of this family too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not the workhorse and I'm not your slave. Right. That's not my job. And right. so, um, and they always, you know, their job was keep the rooms clean. Yeah. And so, and I wasn't a Nazi about it. I really wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, if grandma was coming to visit. Then you, you might have got yeah. a little bit crazy about right. it. Yeah. <laughs> and so, because she's going to be sleeping in your bed. So exactly. we need to make sure there's clean sheets and, you know. No, but, no food hiding under there. Or yeah, <laughs> exactly. And we never allowed food in their room mm-hmm. because I didn't want bugs. Yeah. And so. We didn't either, but somehow... It they still in. managed to find its yeah. way in there occasionally. <laughs> All right. I know. Usually uh, when we did a big clean out and I had to get involved, you know, that happened a couple times a year. And uh-huh. we'd pull the bed away from the wall and be like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. there's like little snack wrappers back right. there. And yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, we try, right? Uh, yeah. You can only do what you can do. So um, I don't know that I had any special systems or mm-hmm. I probably do a lot of things just like my mom did. Yeah. My mom was so efficient. Mm-hmm. And um, when I was growing up, we had little, we had tubs. Mm-hmm. We called them tubs and everyone had their own tub. There were four of us kids. And, um, you know, so socks and underwear, the little things from the laundry, yeah. uh, she would put in your tub. And then when your tub got full, you had to take it to your room, put everything away. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't have the space for that. Yeah. And so I never did that, but... It was a good system. It is a good system. Yeah. Yeah. I, we did so, that for a little while. Um, it was like your own laundry tub. Yeah. So when my kids, I, I tried to train my kids to be able to fold their own laundry at mm-hmm. some point, and they, and they did, and they all could do their own laundry when they left home. But mm-hmm. when they were younger, <clears throat> I would fold it 
in the laundry room. It was not. It was not allowed to leave the laundry room. That was my personal rule for myself. Otherwise, uh-huh. if I took it away in a basket, it would never get folded. It would sit in the it basket. Would just sit in the basket. Yeah. So it would come right out of the dryer. I would fold it out of the dryer and put it in the correct tub uh-huh. for that child. Yeah. Now the hard part was training them to take the tub mm-hmm. from the laundry room upstairs and put it all where it goes and bring the tub back. Right. The empty tub. <laughs> exactly. There was right. varying. There was varying levels of compliance. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes. They would just straight up dress themselves out of the tub, and so, uh, yeah. <laughs> sometimes there'd be a few items that would get removed. And, and I think one of the biggest pet peeves that my husband and I had with our children, as far as laundry went, uh-huh. was putting the clean clothes on the floor, and then over time they get unfolded. Yes, then they get walked on. Yes, and it's like seriously, you're walking <laughs> on clean clothes that are now going to be dirty, right? Because uh, I we know. just. That was frustrating. Yeah, that was a big pet, pet peeve. But do you feel like they were well equipped Equipped by the time they left home? Like, did they yep. know how to do their own laundry? Yeah, and Terrell, our son, he started doing his own laundry um, when he was 16. Mm-hmm. We had an exchange student. So we've had four exchange students. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. So um, our oldest daughter comes home from school one day and she says, I want to have an exchange student. And Scott and I were like, "Eh, maybe not. You know, we didn't know anything about it. We didn't understand. Anyway, so we kind of got, we educated ourselves. And Amaris was like, I'll fill out all the paperwork, Mm -hmm. you know, because she really wanted one. So um, we did some things right. Amaris was in band. So we found a girl um, that wanted to be in band. Okay. And so if you can... Pair your exchange student up with the same activities that your child already yeah, does. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes that is that's big super super helpful. And they spend a lot more time together because they have a common because, interest. Yeah, because they're doing that together. Yeah. and band high school band is all very time consuming. <laughs> and so um, yeah, and so we had so she had a girl named Laura from mm-hmm. Germany, mm-hmm. and Amaris tells the story about the first first day um, at band camp, you know, in the summer, because we had to get her two weeks early so she could do band camp. Yes. Because, of course, Germans don't understand American football, and really the band is all about Friday night football, you know, the halftime show or whatever. Anyway, so we had to get this girl early, and um, but she pulls her clarinet out, and Maris played the flute, Mm -hmm. but Laura pulls her clarinet out, and she's doing, like, all these scales and all these... She was clearly very talented. Yes. And so she immediately went to the top band. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah. So then that made Amaris proud, like, yeah, my exchange students yeah. slouch. <laughs> yeah, I brought this girl. That's you can right. thank me later. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah, that's so, so funny. Uh, but they had a lot of fun. I was really worried about Laura that first day. You know, she's not acclimated to the heat. It's so hot here mm-hmm. in August. I worried about that girl all day long. And she came in at the end of the day. She's all red faced. And, you know, I'm worried. I'm thinking she's dehydrated and did she eat enough? You know, she's a little twig and did she eat enough? And, and I was like, oh, how was it? And she was like, the best day ever. Oh, and I was like, oh, <laughs> that's so, awesome. So then I stopped worrying about her. Yeah. But yeah. Um, and then the next year, maybe two years went by 
and uh, when Alyssa was a junior, Amaris had just gone off to college. Mm-hmm. She went to Trinity here in town. Uh-huh. And so we were so sad. She was Our missing household. her sister. Yes. Aww. And so Alyssa was like, so then the exchange company is like begging us because we're already vetted. Yes. So they're begging us to take, you know, we have 36 kids that need a home, you know, please take one. And Alyssa was like, no, I don't need one. I, oh. I don't, no. And so Scott and I just picked one because we just decided, no. We need some more life in this house. We mm-hmm. everyone's sad, and so um, we got a girl from Finland. Uh, her name is Anna We just called her Anna, Anna and um, she was a nice girl, but she wasn't into swimming. Alyssa was on the swim team, the high school oh, swim team. Okay, and so that's when we really learned it's just better if you can find. But there were no swimmers, like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. none of the kids that were offered. Um, would have been a swimmer. So anyway, uh, she was a sweet girl, and had, we had a lot of fun with her. And then the next year, so Tara would have been a sophomore. Mm-hmm. Um, we weren't going to get an exchange student, but then a company called and um, had a girl from Thailand. And she was already here in America, but was the home situation wasn't good, and they needed to oh, okay. rehome. I know it makes it sound like a puppy, but rehome yeah. her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we got and cutest thing ever. We are so in love with that little girl. Mm. In fact, she's coming to visit us May twenty oh, fourth for a week. So cool. Yeah, and we actually we keep in touch with all of our exchange students mm-hmm. and just love them all. They're so different and so great. And yeah. so yeah, so Pink is coming. Uh, to visit us. Anyway, so we had pink for only one semester, the spring semester. We got her the day before Christmas. Mm. And then, yeah. And then for Terrell, so then the next year, we picked uh, a boy named Eker, and he was from Spain. Mm-hmm. And we're actually going to visit him. Scott and I are going to Spain and Portugal in June. Oh, And we're going to go visit him and his family. They own a vineyard. Oh, my and gosh, yes, that's so cool. In northern Spain. That's and so cool. The Basque, up in the Basque region. So, yeah. Um, yeah, he was a nice boy. And oh. so we had a great time with him. But, you know, it's a lot of driving. They're not allowed to drive. Okay. And so the biggest thing from my schedule with the exchange students was I had to do all the driving. Mm-hmm. And our district is so big, 589 square miles. And, you know, like Eker had a girlfriend that lived on the other end of the... Mm-hmm. of the district. And so Valentine's Day, he wants me to take him all the way down there, yeah. you know, to her house so they can exchange Valentine gifts or whatever. It's just, it's a lot of driving. Okay. And so, and they want to go shopping all the time because you can't get stuff in yeah. their countries that you can get in America. And the girl from Finland, <laughs> she called it chopping uh-huh. with C, uh-huh. C-H, chopping. Can I go chopping? And so, of course, in Finland, everything's so expensive. Yeah. And so to her, everything here was so cheap. Yes. Yeah. And so... That's yeah. so interesting. Her parents had to buy three extra suitcases <laughs> to get all her stuff home. So did they did they go to church with you guys ever? Yep. Okay. They just live your life. Yeah. Whatever you do, they do. They do. Now, your reason to host cannot be to convert. Okay. But Pink did get saved. Oh. While she, and she... Grew up Buddhist in uh-huh. Thailand, but she's she got saved. But oh our goal was really not to try to convert anyone. Yeah. So, just but wanted, if it happens, it happens. Yeah. Just and wanted so. to. Off, well, this is. I mean, we're yeah. kind of we're into the realm of hospitality, but this is so <laughs> cool. That's such yeah. an interesting so. perspective. Do you have any? Um, just you know, we'll move on here quickly. But any advice or wisdom you would give to somebody who's thinking about that or maybe not thinking about it and maybe you could convince them it's a good idea. (laughs) I would 
Yeah, other than the driving. It's just, you have to, but see, I had kids that drove, and so that helped me out a lot. Right. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's a lot of driving. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, worth it. Very much worth it. Mm -hmm. So. Okay, cool. Good. I I would advise it. Thanks for sharing about that. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Okay, so um, let's see. Where are we? Okay, expectations. We touched on this just a little bit before, um, thinking about, you know, guys will automatically know how to fix things. Girls will automatically know, know how, how to, to cook clean, and clean. Cook, right. <laughs> but are there any other expectations that you brought into marriage and homemaking that maybe did not match the day-to-day reality? Oh, gosh. It was so long ago. Um, you know, I grew up with a dad who builds houses and can fix everything. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, I thought all guys, and of course he taught my brothers, so I thought all guys knew how to do that. Yeah. Now, Scott, his dad was also a home builder. Oh, interesting. And so Scott can build anything and fix everything. Mm-hmm. And so, but that's not, you know, we've had so many friends over the course of our marriage where the wife is like, hey, Scott, will you fix my, you know, leaky yeah. toilet or yeah. my whatever? And and so... That's really when it was later on. Yeah. You know, I was, I guess, just really spoiled mm. by Scott. I didn't realize for it took me a while to figure out. Not everybody oh, has not every, that. every guy knows how to work a screwdriver <clears throat> or a right. hammer or right. whatever. Mm. So, yeah. Cool. There are those guys. But. So, that was a good, that was like a good unexpected yes, thing. Yes. That yeah. was a good unexpected thing. I, I don't know about anything that didn't, I don't know that I had a lot of expectations. I think I was so young mm-hmm. and I, I already, had moved out from my parents and I lived okay. around the corner in a different trailer with two roommates okay. from Scott. And so, um, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Well, how about special challenges? Was there anything special, particularly hard or challenging over the course of your, how long did you say you guys been married? 33 years. 33 years, mm-hmm. 33 years of homemaking, anything particularly challenging, special challenges? Um, I mean, moving a lot. Mm-hmm. It's stressful, but with the army, you know, people don't realize the army sends a moving company yes. to come pack you up and move you. You don't physically pack your house up. Right. And so um, it's it's not as bad mm-hmm. as, as people envision. Mm-hmm. And so um, I always enjoyed it, and I always enjoyed redecorating another another house. This house we've lived in the longest of any house in mm-hmm. our marriage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's all the same. This We hung that shelf up there 17 years ago and it's still there. <laughs> so once it finds its place, it kind of, yeah, it stays there. But um, our, our, our biggest, um, Scott and I's biggest challenge, I think, is when he retired from the military mm-hmm. and started working from home all the time. And of course, I'm used to doing my own schedule and he's used to having a secretary. Mm. So then he just assumes, well, Terry didn't do anything. So, Mm. you know, she's free. And I'm like, no, I'm not. (laughs) And I'm not your secretary, (laughs) you know? And so, yeah, one day he was like, okay, I need this, this, and this done. And I was like, okay, well, that might get done, but those two won't for sure because I have this and this and this to do. Yeah. And he looked at me and he's like, you're the worst secretary ever. And I'm like, see, honey, this is the problem. I'm not your secretary. Oh. And so it was, we both had to restructure. Oh, sorry. That's okay. And, um, but it was, you're not in charge of my time. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think he thought, he just assumed Mm -hmm. 
he's top dog. And so Mm -hmm. whatever he needs done comes first. Yeah. And it's like, except for I already have my day planned. Yeah. And it doesn't include anything on your list. So (laughs) So how did you... That was, it was a hard transition. Well, what did you do? Like, how'd you work through that? Um, He started, instead of trying to tell me Mm -hmm. what he needed done, would say... I think we changed our approach. Yeah. Um, but he would say, so what do you have planned today? Mm-hmm. And then I would tell him. Yeah. And then I would say, what do you need done today? Uh-huh. And then he would tell me. Okay. And then, and so we just kind of meshed. Yeah. But better communication then is yeah. what you're telling me. Yeah. Instead of assumptions. Yeah. And you know, he, being in the military, and he's working all the way down on base. He has no idea what I do mm-hmm. all day long. Mm-hmm. It just all gets done. Mm-hmm. And so um, I just think he thought I had more time, more free time. I think he, I don't, he would never say this, mm-hmm. but I just think he thought I had more free time than I had. Yeah. And so it yeah. wasn't the reality. Yeah. And so, especially once the kids start driving themselves, then he's thinking, well, she didn't drive as much. She used to have to. Mm-hmm. And so, but still... Your oldest starts driving. You still got two more to juggle. Yeah, and you know every day is a logistical nightmare. Yeah, between extracurricular activities and you know trying to get dinner on the table and yeah, mm-hmm. just everything. Mm-hmm. And so. then at that point, you were also running the finances for the business. Yes, and- you know, and and that just grew gradually. Mm-hmm. So he he started the company like at night before he retired, and then he ramped it up to be a full-time job Mm. after he retired. Okay. And so it started like in 2008, but then he didn't retire to 2013. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was gradual. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, Mm. but yeah, I did the money. And so I also, I had a painting business for a little while. When we first moved here, we couldn't sell our house in Maryland. Mm -hmm. And so Scott's doing tile jobs and, you know, like reconstruct little reconstruction projects. I I started a painting business. And so, because we had two mortgages and yeah, yeah. That was probably the hardest financial time mm-hmm. of our entire marriage. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> Terrell one day, he says, Mom, we're out of ketchup. <laughs> and I looked at him and I'm like, okay, well, maybe next paycheck <laughs> I can buy ketchup. Oh, I mean, my gosh. that's how broke yeah. we were. But because we were trying to pay all the, hold it all together. Yeah. And so, well, two mortgages. That's, yeah. That's a lot. And thank God we finally sold that house in Maryland. Yeah. So then, then everything got better. Mm-hmm. But yeah. But God was with us, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you're, all you can do is, you know, our other option was I stay in Maryland with the kids and Scott moves here by himself mm-hmm. and we just didn't want that. Yeah. We didn't want to be apart. Mm-hmm. And so, so we moved and, and the house then went from being staged and the house in Maryland from being staged to being empty mm-hmm. and realtors don't like empty homes. Yeah. And so anyway. Wow. That would be challenging. We, we ended up having to change realtors. Okay. And so I think I think that's what helped sell the house. Yeah, so good. and the market was all volatile and mm-hmm. yeah yeah. Anyway, okay. well, let's talk yeah. a little bit more about hospitality. We've talked about okay. how you showed hospitality in what some people would say was an extreme way by hosting <laughs> four different exchange students. And you know, if we hadn't liked it, we wouldn't have done it again. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you have a good experience and you enjoyed mm-hmm. it, yeah. I do know people that tried it and had a bad experience, and they were like, never again. Mm-hmm. And that's really unfortunate. Yeah. And I, I, it makes me sad to hear those stories. Yeah. But. Well, what about some other ways that you show hospitality? So, well, so when our kids were growing up, we hosted 
dinner, friends. Mm-hmm. We did that a lot. Pool parties. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't really, other than, well, now we host a, a community group okay. with our church, with Hillside. But um, we don't, I, of course, don't enjoy cooking. So <laughs> I'm not, you know, aver- I'm not inviting people over all the time. So, but we're just busy in different ways now, but it's yeah. just me and Scott. And so it's fun. Mm-hmm. And um, our best friends, the Mossos, you know, we eat with them like three days a week and mm-hmm. um, we go out a lot more, but we have disposable income that we never had before mm-hmm. because the kids aren't, you know, yeah, kids aren't around. So, um, yeah, but no, that's yeah, cool. we just, I will say um, when you said you, you're not having people over because you don't like to cook. <laughs> But, you know, you could just be like Sandy and Sandy Goforth, who's been on the show before. Oh, uh-huh. um, and she just like buys it, you know, uh-huh. she doesn't yeah. necessarily cook, cook it. it. She just buys yeah, I just it. drive through Smoky Moe's, yeah. pick it up. And I'm not against that. So <laughs> buy the tea cakes and the cookies to go with your tea. You, you yeah. Know, you don't have to make everything. Exactly. So. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about the seasons of homemaking. So I'm I'm thinking that maybe you've already answered this question, but what was your most difficult transition from one season to another? And how did you cope with that? A lot of people say the empty nest and retirement was a hard season. Anything else for you? Um, Empty nest would probably be the second hardest. Okay. So Uh, his retirement and mm -hmm. first and then empty nest. Yeah. He retired in 2013, but more that was a communication Mm -hmm. thing between him and I. Uh, and then, yeah, empty nest. Terrell graduated high school in 2017. He went off to college for a year, but hated it. Mm. And then, so he was only gone one year and then he came back. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went from empty nest to not yeah. again. Okay. And so, but you know, it worked out fine. We told him, go get a full time job. Like, mm-hmm. you don't have any insurance. Mm-hmm. Make sure you get some insurance with your job. And so, yeah. Um, he's a vet tech. So he's he's worked at a couple different vet clinics. So. so it was hard for you because you had primarily been managing the household mm-hmm. and all the kids' well, activities. And I think also for Terrell, he thought, well, I would have dinner. You know, he's just he's reverting back to high school. Oh, when and he so, came back. When after, he came back. Okay. And so he'd walk in the door at the end of the night, what's for dinner? And I'm like, I don't know, dad and I are going out. <laughs> so you're on your own. You know, like and that was hard for him. Yeah. To you know, yeah. if I want to cook, I'll include you. But if we're not cooking, <laughs> right. Right. then uh, maybe I'll bring you a burger home or you can fend for yourself. Yeah. So yeah. unfortunately, he didn't learn to cook. He, mm. I don't know if he doesn't like cooking or didn't want to learn or whatever, but mm-hmm. I, girls like a man who can cook. Yeah. So, yeah. It is a good I think trait. he needs to get in the kitchen more. <laughs> I'll tell him that. <laughs> so we did also, we had another kid live with us. Uh, his name is Mason, Mason Ford. He was a professional disc golfer. And so he was, I don't know, maybe like 22 when he moved in with us. He he only came for a weekend mm-hmm. originally. He was going to stay with us for the weekend while he got an apartment and everything. And just a wonderful, wonderful kid. We just fell in love with him. And anyway, Scott got him a job, and then the job didn't work out, but then he didn't have the money for the apartment, and but he wanted to be in San Antonio because he, he wanted to transition from just playing tournaments on the weekend to being a full-time, you know, traveling professional disc golfer. I had no idea that was even a thing. Yes. Okay. It is a thing. So is this a worldwide phenomenon, disc golf, or is this just an American thing? 
Uh, I think it's a worldwide thing. Okay. Because there's Disc Golf Worlds. Okay. And there's a U.S. Championship. So in case you're unfamiliar, we're talking about Disc Golf, which right. is like kind of like a Frisbee. Mm-hmm. that you throw yeah. on a golf course type course. Yes, so it's measured these... in feet instead of yards. Okay. And, and then you, it's, you, um, it's, like a, it's a metal basket with chains. Thing. Okay, yeah. yeah. And then there's a bottom pan that the disc will fall into. So you're, you're throwing the disc, mm-hmm. Frisbee style, right. at these metal catch uh-huh. things. <laughs> Baskets. <laughs> and it lands in there somehow. Uh-huh. And that's that's like getting getting the ball in the hole. Right. If we're talking comparable yes. to golf. And all the terminology is the same. It's the same. There's birdies. Okay. You know, oh, okay. the, the hole it has a par and then you can get a birdie or a bogey. And, so and you know all of this because um, I noticed when I drove up, you have <laughs> a disc golf course on your property. Yes, we have 18 holes. <laughs> Anybody's welcome to play. Yes. That is crazy. Uh, my husband is the current U.S. reigning champion. What? In his age group. Oh my gosh. Yes, MA, I think it's MA55. You guys are just, yeah. you just get, get more and more interesting as this guy. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's my husband. Goes. He's the most interesting man. But yeah, he's, yeah. So he came in fourth last year in the world and then he's, he won the US championship. That's so cool. So, so this young man is a professional disc golfer that comes to live with you guys. Yes. And yeah, originally just came for the weekend, but you know, so things didn't work out. And then Scott said, just stay with us. Like, mm. you're not hurting anything. You know, yeah. like, we'd love to have you. And Terrell was living here. <clears throat> so he and Terrell were good friends. Mm-hmm. And even though Terrell didn't play disc golf. Mm-hmm. And so, anyway, he lived here two and a half years. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Wow. And so he's married now. And so, anyway. And he said touring, he and his wife, she's also a professional disc golfer. Um, That's so cool. Valerie Manjahano okay. is her name. So, anyway, yeah. So I would say, to, Terry, that you know, even though you're not asking people over for dinner, you, you're doing this hospitality thing pretty, pretty well. Well, you're more in the long term hospitality. Yeah, Scott jokes that we take on strays. <laughs> so, yes, but yeah, good for you guys. Yeah. Okay. We just, we just love kids. We just love, yeah, yeah. You know, kids keep you young. Kids are fun. We like, mm-hmm. and they're the ages of our kids right now. Right. They're on their twenties. Right. So, yeah. so I was going to tell you about our community group. Yeah, it's singles. Oh, so, I didn't know that. Yeah. See, oh. nobody knows because it's not advertised. But um, yeah, we currently have like seven girls and one guy. Mostly younger, younger singles. Um, well, they're in. The youngest is probably twenty-two to okay. twenty-nine. I okay. would guess. I don't. We don't really ask them how old they are. We try to do fun stuff. Scott did a disc golfing kind of lesson with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have game night the first Tuesday of the month. Uh, we talk about the sermon. Oh, and on game night, we make dinner, oh. feed everybody dinner. And so, yeah. That's so, so it's a lot of fun. awesome. Yeah, we love it. Yeah. We just had it last night. So. Oh, that's so fun. I love that They're you're They're a doing lot of that. fun. Well, so. because they need to see, you know, exper- for them, experiencing family life here with you guys and what, and looking, seeing your marriage and mm-hmm. how you relate to one another, it will have an impact on them. Yeah. Yeah. That's really great. Hopefully. That's so, really great. Yeah. Okay. So anything else? I always ask a question because we're in this homemaking season section. Like what does your homemaking look like right now? So it sounds like you have a lot of freedom. Yes, I do now. Right now, <laughs> the stage you're in. Yeah. That's one um, of the benefits of the I, empty nest, you know? Yeah. And probably five years ago, I started quilting. Okay. And so not something I ever thought I would enjoy. Uh Um, Scott actually taught me how to sew. His mom uh, was a seamstress. Mm -hmm. She's an English professor, but 
also knows how to make anything. Mm. And she taught all seven of her children how to sew. Wow. And so Scott, I love to tell this story. He comes home. Now, we were living in only Maryland at the time and had like a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a newborn. You know, like our kids were little. Yeah. And he comes, he's so proud of himself. He comes home with this box. And on the top, he comes home from an estate sale. This box of junk with his sewing machine on top. And I'm like, hey, what you got there? (laughs) And he's so proud. He's like, a sewing machine. Look at this. And I'm like, yeah, okay. You know, I don't know how to use that. And he's like, oh, that's okay. I'll teach you. No problem. Oh, wow. And so he completely taught me how to sew and how to thread a machine and, you know, just how to do everything. And so, and that was 28 years ago. You know, that was when our kids were little. And so I did make some baby blankets back then. But, um, and then didn't sew for 15 years or I don't know how long. Mm -hmm. And so, and then one day, oh, I was at church at our previous church and um, a lady was telling me that she quilts as like money um, to help income yes, you know, for her yeah. and her husband. And um, so I had some quilt top, antique quilt tops. And so I got them out and I called her and she referred me to another lady. She doesn't, Stella was her name. She didn't have a, a long arm machine mm-hmm. like to do the quilting. So she got me in touch with a lady named Sherry. Mm-hmm. And so I called Sherry and I just wanted to pay Sherry to do it, just finish yeah. the quilt for me. Yeah. And Sherry's like, no, but I'll teach you. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Great. I guess, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't sure what I thought about that at the time, but I've, everything I've learned, I've learned from Sherry. Oh. So, um, yeah. That's awesome. And yeah, I've made, I think, 73 quilts. What? And now I don't make, my quilts are, my sweet spot <laughs> is 60 by 60. So it's like an oversized lap. Blanket. Yes. Um, two people can fit under it. Mm-hmm. So I like to make them for wedding gifts or, mm-hmm. or whatever. But yeah, that's my favorite size. It's not like a bedspread yeah. or like a king size or anything big like that. I have finished some antique tops. Mm-hmm. And well, my first three that I did were just tops that I finished. So mm-hmm. I learned how to do the, the binding mm-hmm. and everything. So yeah. So you're quilting them by machine. Yes. Every, I do everything by machine. Okay. It wouldn't get done. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a purist. So there's purists out there and God bless you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm not You either. can sew everything by hand that you want to, but it, I, I just know how I am. Yeah. And I just know it won't get done. Well, so. and my vision is not good enough to do those tiny little stitches by hand anymore yeah. either. Oh. Because so. I used to do a lot of cross stitching and I just mm-hmm. can't do it anymore. Yeah. Because I just don't have the, mm-hmm. my, I just can't. And it's very tedious. It's very tedious. Yeah. 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 So well, that's awesome. Yeah. What a cool homemaking skill to have taken on just yeah. mo- just recently. And Good if anybody you. had ever told me twenty years ago, oh, someday you're going to be a quilter and you're going to love it, I would laugh my head off. <laughs> Seriously, I just so you never know. I, yeah, I just it came out of left field. I just didn't even see it coming. Never said and never. So, and yes, and now your- I'm a fabric quarter. Are you? <laughs> Not good. That is yeah. one of the um, one of the negative yeah. sides of, of sewing. Of sewing, yeah, it tends to come with the territory. Yes, so for sure, cool. It, it, the bug has hit me. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Okay. So mm. let's talk about homemaking tasks. I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions, and you can just give me a quick answer, or you can tell me a story if you would like. Okay. okay? So, what is a homemaking task that you love? Decorating. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Just general decorating. Do you also are you a big seasonal decorator? Uh, only Christmas. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I might put, 
put a couple things out for Easter but, or whatever, but no. But Christmas, are you like uh-huh. big time? Uh, I would say medium time. Medium. <laughs> you know, how many trees do you have? Only one. Okay. Uh, or not, or none. Really? The last three years, no tree. No tree. Yeah. And you know, it kind of makes my kids sad, but you know, they're not here to, when I had my son living here and he could he help could me haul the haul stuff it. to the attic mm, and back, I know. Yeah. you know, I was much more gung ho about yes. decorating yes. than I am now when I have to do it all myself. And yes, so. Yes, I hear you. Yeah. And. We used to, or as a family, the five of us, we would pick out a tree, uh, usually the Sunday of Thanksgiving weekend, mm-hmm. we would all go together, but now everybody's yeah. you know, split to the wind, Yeah, and Scott and I are like, we don't need a tree, <laughs> and my husband has to have a real tree. Oh. Now, if, it, if I could get a fake tree and get away with it, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd have a fake tree. Yeah. And so they're so easy, and you stick them back in the box or mm-hmm. whatever. It's great. And yeah, you spend so much money on a real tree. They are very expensive. Yeah, and then they're messy. They're mm-hmm. dropping their, what do you call those things? Needles. Needles, yeah, <laughs> everywhere. This is like constant cleanup, and I'm yeah, just like, yeah. I'll just not have a tree. Okay, so. but you do like to decorate your home. Yeah, yeah. Okay. but I decorate for Christmas. Okay, so how about... A homemaking task that you hate? Cooking. Okay. For sure. Yeah. You know, my biological mom, I was adopted as a baby, and she hates cooking too. So I kind of wonder, is that hereditary? <laughs> I've never heard of it being hereditary, but she is not a cooker. And Yeah. I don't know. And I don't, I mean, I know how to cook. Yes. And I certainly put dinner on the table for years and years. You just years. don't prefer to. I just, yeah. You'd rather be quilting. Now I would. Yeah. Yeah. So... <laughs> But yeah, I just, but my husband loves to cook and yeah. he was very helpful. That works and out so, well. Yeah. It's not like he cooked all the time, but yeah. But so everything ab- he makes is delicious. How about a, um, a homemaking task that you maybe grew to love over time? Laundry. Mm-hmm. Um, when, you know, when you're growing up, I mean, I folded the laundry, but I only really washed my own. Mm-hmm. And so... And then, of course, when you have kids and there's so much laundry. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But I have gotten to where laundry doesn't bother me. Okay. I don't think it really ever bothered me, but it's a lot, of course, when the kids are growing well, up. Well, yeah. So It seems to never end at that yeah. stage. Right. Like, there's you just never get on top of it, so you never feel accomplished. I think mm-hmm. that's the reason why so many people don't like laundry. Yeah. Yeah, and there's never like a good stopping point. No, there's it's always there. Yeah, yeah I I agree with that. Because at this stage so. in, in our life, I, you know, Monday is my laundry day, and it's done, and I really don't do laundry again until next Monday. Yeah, but there's there's just the two of us, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah. we can get away with that. But that was not the case. Yeah, when the kids when, were at how home. many kids do you have? Four. Oh, okay. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So it was never ending. Well, I'd like to learn more about you. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so how about your worst homemaking fail? Like currently, or it can, like it could be. A me- I mean, can, I've made some bad meals. It can be like anything, not gonna lie. You know, I mean, I've I've gotten stories about you know burning turkeys and mm-hmm. and you know all kinds of stuff. Yeah. It's so a- thankfully, I've never had to cook like a whole Thanksgiving meal by myself. Yeah. Um. We usually do Thanksgiving with Scott's family, and he's one of seven kids. Mm-hmm. And so then you get spouses and their children, and there's like 50 of us, you know, all together, 40, however many. But um, his sisters 
We have, I have sister-in-laws and his sisters. They're all just so helpful. And of course, they all know I don't prefer cooking. Like, it's not a secret. And so, um, yeah, so I have a lot of help. So uh, we usually do host because mm-hmm. we have the biggest home to hold everybody. But um, yeah, but they're very, and you know, it's not just one meal. They're, they're here the whole weekend. Mm-hmm. So it's breakfast, lunch, and dinner yeah. for, you know, four days or whatever. But, but yeah, they're very helpful. And I don't mind doing the shopping. Yeah. So shopping doesn't bother me. So, but no big fails, no big oh. like like. Did you ever, um, you know, accidentally put something red in the wash and wash all your husband's shirts? Okay, I don't know if this is a homemaking <laughs> fail. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> I I had a razor flip phone. Okay, okay, it was red. Yeah, and um, it fell in the toilet. Oh no, I got wet. Uh-huh. So I put it in the oven to dry it out. <laughs> <laughs> I put it on warm, you know, just. The yes. very lowest setting on the oven, <laughs> and that phone caught on fire. Oh, my gosh. And Daryl, <laughs> my son, is sitting at the bar right here because I walked back to the laundry room, and it caught on fire in the oven, and he starts screaming, <laughs> Mom, oh. fire. Oh I ran back gosh. in here. Yeah. And yeah, so that, that wasn't probably the best. No. The best move. Yeah. So that's definitely a fail. That's you hadn't so, read about obviously you like well, putting it in the rice or you tried that and it didn't work. I tried that and it didn't okay. work. And Scott had dried out something else, not a phone. I don't think I don't remember. He had dried something else out in the oven like the week before, and I'm Sorry. like, oh yeah, I could totally That'll do work. that. Yeah, <laughs> but you know the razor phones like were prone to catch on fire. Oh, I didn't know that. And, yeah, I didn't know that either until... With or without the oven, yeah, they would catch on fire. Yeah, with or without the oven. And so, yeah, of course, the oven didn't help. But yeah. Okay, so if you see a used razor phone <laughs> at Goodwill, don't buy oh, it. Oh my gosh, my phone was totaled. <laughs> <laughs> it might catch on fire. Yeah, it might catch on fire. Spontaneously. So, of course, that was a long time ago. Yeah. You know, we're way past flip phones. Yes, so. although I think they might be making a comeback. You know, people want to do like dumb phones oh. instead of uh-huh. smartphones because they suck all your time away. and. Mm. And the flip phone. They just want mis- a phone for a phone. Right. That's not a camera and not the internet right. and not all the other stuff. Right. But I saw even the smartphones that they were making there. It was last year they came out. They like, oh. they fold uh-huh. in half. Okay. So it reminded me of the flip phones. Uh-huh. Anyway, okay. Interesting. How about a memorable homemaking win? Something you're proud of? <sighs> oh, gosh. I don't know. Um, I don't know. think about it. Yeah. It's not like I made Halloween costumes or I don't know. That might be a better question for maybe my kids or my husband. I don't know. I mean, I would say hosting for exchange oh, students. Exchange is, students. That's a pretty good accomplishment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and raising three teenagers yeah. and Well, and I you know, if I had to do it all over again, I say this, but then I I don't know if I believe it. I wish we had four kids. Mm. You know, if if we hadn't stopped with Terrell mm-hmm. and had a, thir- a fourth one. Now, granted, I think, but though if we had had a fourth one, we would have never had those exchange students. Mm-hmm. I just think I would have been tapped out. Yeah. Because you can add a fourth one in for a year and then be done. Yeah. And so, but it's a bigger car and, and it's bedroom space and, you know, um, we wouldn't have had the space for another kid. I do think there's something about that fourth one. Yeah. It, it's a tipping point that you reach. Uh, yeah. With number four, that does change the dynamics quite right. a bit. So sometimes I'm like, oh, 
you know, uh-huh. could have had a fourth, should have had a fourth. But then I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You can always just think about it and, you know, it's yeah. our reality. We don't have four. So yeah, we're happy with our three. <laughs> but then you have all these other kids. Yeah. But then, yeah. That you and, get to be a part of their lives. And I think we yeah. wouldn't have done that. Yeah. That's cool. If we'd had a fourth. That's cool. Because you just, it's just too much. Right. So, yeah. Okay. Well, I would love to hear your top homemaking tips. If you've got like three top tips to share. Um, my number one tip mm-hmm. is to get blood out, hydrogen peroxide. Okay. It eats the protein in the blood. Oh, okay. And it, you know, just like if you have a cut yes. and you put peroxide and it bubbles up. Yes. It foams up or whatever. It does that on clothing. Okay. And so I, when I first married Scott and he was doing necropsies or mm. whatever in the field or whatever, and he'd come home, he would strip at the door. Yeah. Because I wouldn't let him in the house with his mud and his muck and blood and everything, throw all his stuff in the washer, and then I poured a whole uh, container of peroxide <laughs> in there with it, and so got the blood out. Okay. That's my number one. Um, to young mothers, maybe, with kids, with mm-hmm. little babies, like, that are um, being vaccinated, uh-huh. we always gave our kids um, Motrin, Usually Motrin. Mm-hmm. You can do it with Tylenol. Of course, it only lasts four hours, but yeah. the Motrin lasts eight. We would give them, a, we would dose them with Motrin before we take them to the doctor mm-hmm. to get their vaccinations, and then it doesn't hurt as bad. Mm. And they don't tense up, and they don't get a knot mm. right where that shot was. Yeah, and so that's a good tip. Yeah, yeah, that was that was one of the best things. I yeah. think um, we have all these little like nuggets, <laughs> nuggets of wisdom. Yeah. Um, we had a rule at um, Halloween time when you go pumpkin picking. Yes. You can pick any pumpkin you want that you can carry. <laughs> That's good. That's And good. then it's natural selection. The older you are, the bigger your pumpkin. Yeah. And yeah, you're welcome to any pumpkin you want. You have to carry it. That's a good tip. I like that. Yeah. So it was just... Yeah, just little things like yeah, that. Yeah, just little things like that. Good. So... Okay. What is your favorite? Well, okay. How do I want to say this? This is a new, fairly new question I've been asking. What is like your favorite home appliance Mm. or like product or whatever? Like something you just can't live without as a homemaker. My favorite appliance is probably my dishwasher. Okay. Um, yeah, I like my dishwasher. Uh, I don't I have cleaning people, honestly. Yeah. I'm so spoiled. So um, I don't, I just buy whatever they tell me to buy. Okay. I don't, yeah. So you don't have like a favorite product? Or- no, but I do have, um, I use that Thieves. Mm-hmm. Um, the spray. Yeah, the spray stuff. stuff. Yeah. It just smells so good. Mm-hmm. So I just love the smell of it. Um, cool. I, I like that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the art of home. Um, how do you see homemaking as an art? You know, and it's kind of a dying art, mm-hmm. I think. Women are pulled in so many directions now, especially if they work outside the home as well. And I think we as women are so hard on ourselves. Yeah. And so you stay home and then you feel guilty that you're not adding to the income. You work outside the home and then you feel guilty because you're missing all the whatever's going on with your kids or, you know, it's mm-hmm. like there's no perfect answer. No. And you really just cut yourself some slack. Yeah. And... So women need to quit being so hard on themselves. And I think men 
typically think their wife is Wonder Woman, you know, mm-hmm. and treat her as such in a good way, mm-hmm. but then treat her as such in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Like, and my husband was never like this, but if, if my husband would just come home from work and sit on the couch and not be interacting with the family and not mm-hmm. be, I, I wouldn't have liked that. Yeah. So <clears throat> I, yeah, I just, I just think women need to cut themselves some slack and stop being so hard on themselves. And, and you know, and when I was raising my kids, the only way that staying home with the kids was justified in Maryland, where we lived at the time, was if you homeschooled. And I didn't oh, homeschool. Interesting. And and I wasn't defensive about it. I'm like, I I don't have to homeschool to justify staying home. Everybody, that is so interesting. Just make your choice based on the needs of your family, mm-hmm. the needs of your you know husband or whatever, and and do what your family needs. And, yeah. And don't compare yourself to everyone else. Well, yes, Compar- comparison yeah. that comes up a lot um, yeah. in these conversations. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's really that's a really good point. And I'm that's so interesting to hear you say that you when you were living in Maryland. Mm-hmm. So, homeschooling was acceptable, like it was homeschooling was acceptable, but not um, staying home but, to just be a homemaker. Right. And all the moms worked. Okay. So, very few of mm-hmm. there were very few women like me. Yeah. Who didn't homeschool, but didn't work outside the home. Yeah. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. And I was always on, I was always being bombarded with, mm-hmm. oh, because you're treated like you don't do anything, mm-hmm. you know, like you're not contributing at all right. and you're sapping off your husband. It's right. like, whatever. Yeah. You have no idea mm-hmm. how much I do, mm-hmm. you know. And my husband never treated me like that. It was, it was what you were getting pushed. Well, that's really yeah. common. I mean, that's that's pretty common today. Not so much where we live, because um, it's still fairly traditional around here. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of more urban areas, and then definitely in uh, some other countries, um, mm-hmm. it literally you if you don't uh, go out and contribute as part of the workforce, you're considered a drain on society. Yeah, not just on your husband and uh, your, yeah, your, your husband, your family, but on society. Yeah. Um, which is just so, yeah, that's just so false. It's just so false. <laughs> that notion. Yeah. It's just it like, really is. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting that you were facing that back then mm-hmm. too. Well, what about, um, I didn't, I didn't feel like I faced that when I moved here. Okay. And even though so many of our friends were homeschoolers, mm-hmm. uh, we called ourselves <clears throat> closet homeschoolers because <laughs> we were always open to homeschooling. But then never did. We prayed about it. You yeah. know, our, our son wanted to be homeschooled because he thought he could just sit at home, watch cartoons all day. <laughs> so yeah. And, um, but really you're, you're asking your wife to do one more thing. It is a, it's On another of, job. Yeah. It's, it's another full time job. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Anyway. And I, yeah. I'm glad you said that because I really want people to recognize that, you know, because what, a lot of women, you know, it, they want to be able to homeschool and stay home and care for the family. And that is wonderful. And you can do both, but mm-hmm. you have to recognize that you you have to prioritize things and, and be willing to make sacrifices because mm-hmm. it is a full-time job, job just to do the education side of things. Right. Yeah. And it's a full-time job to really manage a house well. Right. And care for a house well yeah. and all of the things that go on in that. So recognizing that it's basically like holding down two, two jobs when you do that. So what are some of the ways that you were able to find beauty um, in the midst of the everyday mundane things that come with running a home and 
Hmm. Caring for kids and doing laundry and all that stuff. Yeah. Beauty. I loved holding my babies. Mm. And so, um, yeah, it goes so fast. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just, I didn't really get wrapped up in, of course, I didn't have house cleaners back then. Yeah. And so, um, I just, I didn't care about the dust. I didn't care about the dirt, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I cleaned and I, I, I cleaned. I kept a clean house. Yeah. But I didn't obsess about it. Yeah. I didn't obsess about it. I'm not a perfectionist. Mm -hmm. And so, um, like my mom, like growing up, our house was spotless Mm -hmm. every minute of every day. Mm -hmm. It was a museum. Mm -hmm. And I, I will say, I think one of the wins Mm -hmm. of homemaking is that our house is not a museum. Mm. And so I didn't want that. Yeah. So, um, it's just a different way to think. Mm -hmm. And so, you know. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. I didn't. I, we didn't want that. So, how is gratitude important mm. in homemaking, and how how have you seen gratitude um, enhance and yeah, you know, make it better? Yeah, you know, gratitude encompasses everything in life. So, an ungrateful person is not thankful for anything that they have, mm-hmm. and so whether. It was given to them or whether they earned it, you Mm -hmm. know. Um, Anyway, it's just, it's a whole attitude, Mm -hmm. gratefulness. Mm -hmm. And so in homemaking, I mean, I was, yeah, um, one of my best friends, Connie, um, you know, she had five kids and I had three. She homeschooled and I didn't, but, you know, we were just, we would be like, we're thankful we have food on the table. We think we're thankful we have money to pay the bills. Mm -hmm. We're thankful for the laundry because then our kids have clothes and, Mm -hmm. you know, um, if, if you maintain an attitude of gratefulness, well, and it's, I think it shows joy. Mm -hmm. It shows happiness in, in whatever stage of life you're in, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just, I'm so thankful for my husband. He's the best. So. He's the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't say that. I say that. <laughs> okay, well, let's end our time with a word to the younger women listening. Younger women. Yes. Yeah, so what would you tell the younger woman coming behind you just to encourage her in yeah. her homemaking? I would say, hold your babies. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about the dirt. Um, I would say, cut yourself some slack. Don't compare yourself to other people. Do what you can do. Do what your family needs. Mm-hmm. Um, not the pressures of society, you know, telling yeah. you what to do. Um, yeah, don't compare yourselves to other people. Um, call your mom. Mm-hmm. Call your dad. <laughs> yeah, because they're not always going to be around. Yeah. And, yeah, what else would I say? I don't know. Enjoy it. It goes, I mean, the days are long, the years are short. Yeah. So, and it's just so true. I know. It's cliche because it's yeah. true. Because <laughs> it's true, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All but, right. I mean, we really enjoy our, our grown children now. Yes. Yes. You know? know that there's joy to be yeah. found in every single stage. There's life after high school. Yeah. You know, so many moms just are so worried about their kids. Mm-hmm. You know, after they graduate high school, and it's it's time for them to spread their wings and mm-hmm. 
figure out who they want to be, yeah. you know, without your influence. So, yeah. yeah, it's it's a good time for them. It's a growing season for sure, especially that freshman year, mm-hmm. freshman year. But yeah, there's life after high school. So, good. and life after empty nest. Yeah. So it's, all, yeah, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for oh. sharing your story of home. You're welcome. It was fascinating. <laughs> and I know all kinds of things I didn't know before about disc golf and veterinary pathology and it's awesome thank you so much thank you for having me yes you're welcome thank you so much for listening to this homemaker portrait of terry Eastep. i hope that you were encouraged and inspired by terry's story by her love for her husband her children and the young people that god has entrusted to her care for a season i think one of the best pieces of advice that terry offered was to make choices based on the needs of your family your husband, do what your family needs. Don't compare your family to others. She was talking about this in the context of feeling the pressure to homeschool in order to justify staying at home. And despite the social pressure she felt, she knew that that was not the best choice for her family. In our current culture, it can be very easy to allow our community, our friends, and social media to inordinately influence the choices and the decisions that we make for our family. While input from others can be very beneficial, ultimately, God has the final word about what is best for your family. He knows all the unique needs and strengths and weaknesses of each family member. He knows all the unique circumstances to your family, and he knows the unique purposes and plans that he has for each one of you and for your family. So he's the one that we ultimately need to look to. This point ties very well into our next episode, which is the deep dive into the second pillar of homemaking, values and priorities. As followers of Jesus, we all have a set of kingdom values that we must live by, but we also all have distinct personal values and family values that are unique to us into our season in life. And in this deep dive coming up next week, we're going to talk about how our values and priorities shape every single thing that we do in the home, how they shape our decisions that we make, um, how they shape our spending, uh, the words we use, the ideas and thoughts that we have, um, the plans that we make, the vacations we make, the commitments that we make are all determined by what is important to us. So we want to take some time to identify what our personal values are, what our family values are, and making sure that they line up with kingdom values and with what God has called us to at this season that we're in in life, and let that determine the choices that we make rather than outside pressures from the culture that we live in or the example that we see in others to inordinately influence the things that really are ultimately up to God to determine for us. If you have found value in today's episode, would you please share with someone that you know who could use this kind of inspiration and encouragement in her homemaking? Also, make sure that you are subscribed or following whatever your listening app calls it um, so that the episodes automatically show up in your feed on your phone so you don't miss any. And then you can leave us a rating and review on your listening app of choice so that other people who are looking for this kind of content can see uh, why you all love it so much. You can leave us a virtual tip in our tip jar. That would be much appreciated. All of these ways of supporting the show uh, are explained on our support page on the website. Just go to the artofhomepodcast.com slash support.
Well, that is it for this week's episode. I will meet you back here next Wednesday with our brand new deep dive into the second pillar of homemaking. Until then, keep practicing your art of making a home.